to the Word, New Testament, Friday, August the 4th. Coming to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex, I am your host and Bible teacher, Pastor Jeff Barksdale. So glad you're here at Wake Up to the Word. We are, uh, yesterday I neglected to give you the coffee rundown. I have a, a blend of coffee here today, Newman's Own, and we've done Newman's Own before, but this is organic special blend. Mmm. It's very bold. It has a very bold flavor, but it's very flavorful too. So, um, uh, Stacy thought it was a little strong. I think it's it's more bold than strong. It's got a lot of flavor. So, uh, it's good coffee, and, uh, I like it. It's uh, organic. I don't know what that means, but it's supposed to be good for you, I guess. So, our Bible reading for today is uh, John 12 and 13. We got some interesting stuff to go after here. And uh, yesterday's episode was a little short, it was only about 20 minutes. That's a good one, but. A lot of stuff packed in there. I was talking really fast. I don't know if I had too much coffee or what the deal was, but we went kind of fast. So uh, we'll slow down a little bit, slow down, try to go a little bit slower today so we don't mix people up. So, but let's... uh, We got some good stuff today, so we're we're gonna get into the word, uh, chapter twelve of John, and they give you a time frame right here, six days before the Passover. Uh, Jesus came to Bethany, had dinner with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Just a few chapters earlier, actually one chapter earlier. He raises Lazarus, so this is only a few days, few, maybe a week or so later. We come to the Passover. We're not sh- I'm not sure of the time frame. Maybe there's a way to calculate it. I looked for some time there. Uh, Lazarus had died. He was four days in the grave. They raised him up. Jesus waited before even going there. Then there's six days before the Passover, and Jesus goes into Bethany. So... Uh, so he's left and comes back. So there's, there's some time there that uh, potentially, um, you know, where was Lazarus buried? Was he just outside Bethany? Was it so? What's what's where was that location? But he goes into Bethany, uh, and you know, it's in the at the end of the previous chapter. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem for the Passover to purify themselves. So. <clears throat> there's some time that has passed. So I'm not exactly sure how much, but six days before, and they and he goes there and eats. And uh, and Mary uh, took some expensive perfume and anointed Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, his head, and anointed him. And uh, it's very uh, interesting that uh, he's going into Jerusalem to die, and he is actually getting an anointing here. His body is being anointed prior to his death. Um, Judas gets all upset, 
and it reveals here that he was actually a thief, that he was taking from the collections that they had. Um, and Jesus makes an interesting statement, which is here and in, in, in other, other portions of uh, the other Gospels. Excuse me. Maybe I need more coffee. Other portions of the Gospel says, because um, he said this could have been given to the poor, and Jesus says, well, you have me here now. He says, but the poor you will always have with you, but you do not, you will not always have me. And that's, he was right there with them. Interesting statement about always having the poor and understanding that uh, uh, some people try to talk about processes to eliminate poverty, and I totally get that. Nobody wants to see poor people. The problem is that is is the mindset, the sin mindset, and the rejection of Christ mindset, and as well as uh, people's in general abilities and work ethics and um, cultural backgrounds and how they were raised and and uh, the problem with uh, their being poor is they will always be poor because of this vast difference in how people perceive and how the gift set that they have, the wiring that they have, uh, the nurturing that they've had. There's so many variables that, uh, and, and this kind of gets into the political arena, which uh, I don't mean to get into it. Um, uh, it's just a biblical concept as well. Um, equality versus equity, you've heard about that within a political conversation. Equity is not possible. It is a utopian dream that cannot happen because everybody is different. Everybody is unique. Everybody has a different set of gifts or abilities or mindset or, or, or understanding and cultural understanding. The, the equality is something that uh, within the American uh, culture is that equality of opportunity. Everybody gets the same opportunity. Everybody gets treated uh, civilly within their rights, hopefully, the same. That's the equality part. Everybody has the same opportunity. Not everybody starts in the same place. Not everybody ends in the same place. And so everybody cannot have the same outcome. And that's what equity is equal outcome and that is impossible that is never going to happen because regardless of what you start somebody with you can start somebody with less and you can start somebody with more and they will inevitably end in different places the person with less might start might end up with more and the person with more might end up with less why because they used what they had differently their mindset, their understanding, their choices are different. And so all we can hope for is that, yes, they will always be poor. Why? Because people make bad decisions. That's it. They're, they're people, they're, people will always make good and bad decisions. And so that's always going to be there. Jesus laid that out. So um, not political, just a biblical truth. And uh, understanding biblical truth helps you 
understand those realms. Okay, I rant, rant over. Uh, see, the next part of this, we talked about Lazarus, and he was raised from the dead, and this is probably, I don't know, a month, maybe a month. We'll, we'll say a month. Uh, but they plotted to kill him. And it says that right there in verse 10 of chapter 12. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Why? Because all these people were following Jesus because of raising Lazarus from the dead. So if Lazarus is dead, that stops that mostly. Anyways, so Lazarus, can you imagine Lazarus in heaven and... Uh, you know, he's died, he's at Abraham's bosom, and he's, you know, he's ready, getting ready. You know, he's starting eternity, and then, you know, knock on the door. Excuse me, uh, Lazarus, so sorry. We never do this. <laughs> you got to go back. But you're only going to be there a little while, so we'll, we'll keep your place for you, and uh, you'll be back soon. Yeah, so Lazarus got to die twice. Um, and uh, within probably a very short amount of time, because they probably killed him. Um, they plotted to kill him, and if they wanted to stop this Jesus revolution from happening, uh, which they couldn't do, but that was their thinking, that they plotted to kill Lazarus, and probably did uh, in, short, in short time, uh, either after Jesus died, before Jesus died, um, sometime during that, those events. Triumphal entry is the next day. Large crowd uh, came with him, heard about Jesus coming to Jerusalem. They took branches and palms and they cried out, Hoshana, uh, or Hosanna, Hosanna, as uh, we say here. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Uh, and there's a quote there from, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey colt. So it's Isaiah prophesied, and there is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And uh, the people that walked in, all these people who witnessed Lazarus being raised, you look at 17, verse 12, 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. So this whole crowd followed him into Jerusalem and was sharing that. So they had to put a stop to this, the, the chief priests. Um, and the Greeks came and wanted to know about Jesus and Jesus was telling them that his hour is coming, but he tells them that uh, truly, 24 of, of, of 12, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant. There, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So that's basically Jesus is saying, you've got to die to yourself. You, this life is, is not, cannot be more important than following Christ and, and your life with him. Um, son of man must be lifted up. Uh, Jesus, uh, now my, son, my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, 
I have come. This is my mission. I have come to do this. Uh, and I have come to this hour. So Jesus knows what his mission is. He knows what his cross is to bear. His cross is the cross. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And so uh, everybody heard that, thought it was an angel speaking. Jesus said, the voice is for you, not for me. Uh, and, and, and 31, verse 31 of chapter 12 has an interesting uh, uh, interesting information that comes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, the the, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to my Self. Interesting, several interesting phrases um, as we uh, walk through this. Some of you may understand that uh, there's another place in Scripture that says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So thinking that's when Satan got cast down to the earth. But this is saying now, this is just before the crucifixion, it says, now will the rule of this world be cast out. He's cast out. He can no longer enter into the divine council area. He's cast out. That happens here. Luke 10, 18 is what you're thinking of when it says, when the, he sends the 70 out and they go uh, casting out demons and declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And it says, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Some of the uh, issue there is the word fall, okay? And that word fall is not incorrect, but it is, uh, it makes us in English think of a casting out, and that's not what it means. He did fall, but he's descending as in status or station or as a choice he's descending as a choice so if you look at satan didn't fall like lightning he he came like lightning he he chose to come because the demons were being cast out he came as a response not as a push <laughs> as it were so uh they're both right correct verses in what's happening but in but now in John chapter 12 this is when Satan loses his access to heaven and the divine council because the kingdom of God is making a spiritual divine shift right here as Jesus comes in the triumphal entry the the uh, the payment for sin is about to happen it's starting to occur. The event is coming, and Satan no longer has access. So um, now we come to an unbelieving people. This, uh, the, the interesting thing is uh, he gets lifted up from the earth. The other statement that he says is, and will draw all people to myself. All people. All people get drawn. Uh, there are some camps that say uh, only the elect uh, get drawn but that's just not what this says all people will draw all people does that mean all people get saved no that's not what it's saying but there's an invitation there's a draw to all 
people to come to Christ. Everybody gets everybody gets the offer. Not everybody receives the offer. Not everybody uh, gets. To, not everybody's eyes are open to the offer, but everybody gets the offer. It's a general invitation, general revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, "I am lifted up from the earth, and will draw all people to myself." So uh, then it goes down to the unbelief of people. Uh, talks about the light and all that. The unbelief of people. Um, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Then there's some quotes from Isaiah. Their eyes get blinded. And down at the bottom of four, uh, chapter 12, at the bottom of my page, um, uh, verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him, gee, the glory of Christ. Nevertheless, many even of the author many many even of the authorities believed in him, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that it would not be put so they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So there you go. Um, they believed, many believed, but they would not confess it. Remember, uh, what, what, what salvation that comes? Sorry for the pauses. What sal I'm, I'm processing. What brings salvation? If you look at Romans chapter 10, it says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There has to be a confession. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord. You have to believe it in your heart. There's a covenant and a surrender to Jesus Christ. These Pharisees believed but never confessed. They surrendered their allegiance to to. Uh, to the Pharisees. They feared the Pharisees more than they feared God. And this is just true of people. People believe in God. They say they believe in Jesus. They say that they believe, but they never confess it with their mouth, and they always surrender their allegiance to mankind. They always surrender their allegiance to those that are uh, t talking against God, to the world. They just surrender to the world because they do not want to lose, this says, put out of the synagogue. They do not want to be put out of their circle, their own private synagogue, their own private circle of people, their own opportunities that come from knowing this group of people that if they confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they would be pushed out. They would be uh, not invited in anymore. And so they fear people and more than they fear God. And that is what this is saying. And that is a sad state of affairs that we find ourselves in. So we get to chapter 13 in Jesus, uh, the Passover. Now the, the feast of the Passover, this is a feast of weeks, and Passover starts that. When Jesus knew that his hour had come. 
And uh, I'm just going to read this little portion. It starts at uh, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father... This is chapter 13, verse 3, sorry. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a base, basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he wrapped around him. And we know that story, Peter wants to reject him, but I, I once uh, was at a conference and uh, one, of the, one of the speakers at that conference referenced this and knowing he was speaking to a group of pastors said, how do you respond when you know you are the most influential person in the room when you have an understanding that you are the most influential person in the room what's the next thing that you do what is your next response and Jesus says knowing that the father had given all things into his hands Jesus knowing he's the most influential person in any room in every room he washed the disciples feet I'm not telling you to wash people's feet, but humility, humbleness, servant's heart. When we are the most influential person in the room, that's when it's time to serve. Not always where we end up, is it? I know for me personally, not always where I end up. But I read this again and again and again, and it restores my heart to be a servant. And when I'm the most influential person in a room, or even believe that I am, am I serving? That's the question. I gotta keep asking myself that. So I, I'll fall short again, I'm sure, but I so wanna do it less and less. I hope that's your heart as well. Um, as we come uh, 13, uh, Judas betrays him. There's interesting uh, event that occurs within that betrayal. Um, then after they had taken the morsel, 27, verse 27 of chapter 13, Satan entered into him, that's Judas, and Jesus said to him, again Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew what he was, why he said that to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, uh, buy what he needs for the feast. <clears throat> and, and Judas left at that point. Um, and then Jesus gives a new commandment. And I'm going to read this little section, 31 through 35. Let me get my glasses. When he had gone out, not that's Judas, after Judas had left, when he'd gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified glorified in him, God will also be glorified, will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. 
just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. This is the command that Christ gives us. We want to demonstrate that Christ is real. When we receive Christ and we enter into the body of Christ, when we become part of our church body, our fellowship, we need to be pouring love into each other, forgiving each other, uh, lifting each other up, helping each other, supporting each other. You notice that it says, you know, do good to, to others, especially those who belong to the body of Christ. And uh, I, I see a lot of posts and a lot of memes uh, about uh, people uh, bothered by this church and that church and denominations. And, and, you know, I understand the denominational conversation. Why are there denominations? And, and I get all that. I understand it. But Jesus called the local church. Why? Because the local church is the place where people can love each other and speak volumes to the community around them. Okay? Uh, the local church is not necessarily... Um, 10,000 people, 50,000 people. There are larger churches than others. And we see that example in Scripture. Lots of people and a few people. For the most part, the church is made up of local fellowships that uh, are, are, are sent by God, that come together to love each other and to impact the community. And as those groups get very, very large, they, they get difficult to continue in the love so i'm not against mega churches at all uh, but if there's not smaller groups within them it's hard for people to love each other and to share that love and that care in that community do i want the church to grow absolutely i want the church to grow but they have to stay in the small communities that's why we do small groups that's why a lot of churches do small groups um, because that those small groups is where people find connection, they find love, and we can respond to this command by Jesus. Love one another. By this, they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So the last part of this is um, Jesus telling Peter he's going to deny him. He's just letting him know what's going to happen. And uh, of course, we know that it does happen, but that's next week. So, hey, that's what we got for you today. How far did we go? 27 minutes, a little longer. So hope you enjoyed it. This has been a Wake Up to the Word New Testament Friday. And we'll be back next week for Old Testament Thursday. Love you guys. Maybe see you at Life Coast Church, 1030, Matanzas High School. Come on out. We got family day, family celebration day. We have a back to school extravaganza.